This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah and Time viewers. Tonight we are learning Le'ilui Nishmat, uh, the victims of uh, Jersey City, which is Moshe Helsh ben Shalom, and Leah Mindel bat Binyamin Helsh, as well as for Le Shlemat Yecheskel ben Ben Tila. Okay, so... Topic at hand, um, and this is most likely going to be our last Mashiach series. I don't know if that's sad or hooray to people, if it's like too much already, but um, most likely, I haven't decided if I'll continue, but I'm, I'm leaning more towards this being the last one, but I'll have to put like dot, dot, dot for now, as we all know in my history, um, where I start series again, you know, two years later. But in any case, the, um, the, the final aspect of this is, so what will be, so like, we spoke about like what's going to happen before Mashiach comes and all the, as much, you know, pretty much many details that we've given on what's going to happen anywhere ranging from the era that Mashiach is coming close to, to when Mashiach actually comes to the war of Gog and Magog, to resurrection. Now, generally, when people hear Mashiach, and you know, open it up, I know I'm not allowed to ask questions and people don't like interruptions, but it's just very, if you were to guess, what would be the most um, requested topic on Mashiach. Would it be, you could look at anything from resurrection to go, to, to World War III to Gogo Magog, which is technically the same thing. Um, hopefully, um, maybe not. I don't know. I, okay, I'm speaking too much. Um, or the era before Mashiach, the suffering before Mashiach. What do you think people listen to the most? People want to listen to the most? Resurrection, Gogo Magog. What's going to happen afterwards? I, that's, that's, that's interesting. Usually I think that's the least one. You mean what's going to happen after Mashiach comes? That's usually what I hear the least. Whenever, one, whenever people ask me to speak, whenever people ask in general, you look at rabbis when they speak about, when they speak about Mashiach, what do they speak about? The Mashiach is about to come. Meaning that, look at all the Gemarot that speak about what's going to be right before Mashiach comes. All the suffering, all the troubles, and then they plug in all the, um, the, the current events and how we see that Mashiach is really by the doorstep. But what I, maybe for you it's different, but for what, what I see is that I almost never saw Maybe I saw one class on this. Like, what's going to be when Mashiach comes? And it's very interesting. So, let's say you have people that are interested in resurrection. Let's say you have people that are interested in Gogumagog and World War III. Uh, you know, or you're going to have, uh, you know, in the end of days type of topics. But how come no one's interested right when Mashiach comes? Except for your group. Because your group is super spiritual. So, which I agree with. That should be the, the number one, you know, you know, like, question. So, what will it be like? And I was thinking about it. And one of the ideas that came to my mind is people generally like change. Right? And we spoke about this before. This is a, a motto of a lot of politicians. Uh, the way that they, they present themselves to sell you to something is something that's going to change. And it's not really politicians. It's really anything in, in general. If you're buying a product, you want to buy, buy something that's, oh, it's new, it's different. So an example, you look at smartphones. Smartphones, what, they went through a, a crazy transformation process since, you know, the first iPhone, which is like, I think, is that what the first real smartphone was? I don't know, and I don't care. But imagine the first smartphone, and when it went through a transition, so finally became to, like, where it is today, the, where did the, like, big transitions come into? From, let's say, for, from when you had, you know, a, a physical keyboard to you had no keyboard, and all of a sudden you have, like, a better camera. At this point in time, like, how much can you zoom in already? Like, how good can the camera be? It, it doesn't make that much of a difference. And you notice it's sort of... Technically, it like plateaued a little bit. And they're trying to, what do they, how do they keep on trying, like the entire, you know, tech department, what do they kind of, you know, our world, what they try to do is try to get that edge. So like, make some, what are they going to do? Like, a screen that's going to cover 
everything. Wow. So you're not going to have that millimeter of a godforsaken metal line going across it. Or that you have an even better camera. Even be- like, it's so much like you're trying too hard already. Like, that, that's it. We, you know, we've, we've reached to, like, then they try the folding phones. And then they try, you know, they keep on trying to do something else. Why? Because what sells people is something different. Something different is what's interesting. It's what I want. The newest technology sells right in the beginning. But as things get, people get used to it, then whatever, it's not as interesting anymore. What's the difference between the phone that I have now and the phone that I will get? Of course, everybody needs to upgrade, and regardless, they're going to buy stuff. But the, the idea behind it is change. Change is what sells. That's why politicians go and they sell change. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, technology, or, or even um, when you look at any advertising company, it's the point of something different or something new or something that you need. It's something that's, that's changed. So... When people look at the Mashiach concept, they look at, so what's going to change now? But really, they look at just really the, the beginning stages, meaning that what's going to change? So let's see what's going to happen, like the war, Gogamago, huge topic. People love to hear these types of, of topics, like the war, destruction, death, terror. We're very sad people. What can I tell you? As a human race, not as a, you know. Uh, um, and then you have, because generally, what type of new cell? The bad news sell, the terrible stuff sell. So we're interested in the bad and the destructive and the things that's going to change. But what happens once the dust settles and the Mashiach is going to be here? Then, like, don't you want to know what's going to be then? It's going to go back to what same thing? Meaning the world is still going to run like it is. Right, but how? Uh, so the question is: So is that all that it is? Huh? They're afraid they're going to be bored and be so, so mundane. So why, oh, so why do people, very good. So why do people ask the Mashiach to come? Generally, you have, um, oh, I have to be very, tread very carefully. So you have people that say they lost someone they love. So why do they want Mashiach to come? Do they want it because it's for God, it's a spreading of the, of the word, the, the whole world will fill with God's knowledge, and everybody's going to follow God's path, or is it that they want to see their loved one again? And again, like, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Like, you know, we should all be reunited by, by the people that, you know, that unfortunately that we've lost. But at the same point in time, what is the purpose of it? There are a lot of people that they sort of, they get interested in something because they think, okay, maybe I'll gain something out of this. Like maybe some, right, so there's something about the bigger picture. Okay, so now let's try to understand. So today, give a, oh, very good. Spoiler alert. Shh, don't listen. So, <laughs> so, but yes. So, okay, so what we're gonna, the way that we're going to go tonight, Be'ezrat Hashem, is we're going to give a bunch of facts, a bunch of information on what's going to be when Mashiach comes, and then we're going to, there's a lot of going to be, uh, of maybe initially some sort of confusion, and we'll try to answer that as we go along, and you'll see how there's sometimes when you learn Torah, there are certain things that appear to be conflicting, and they appear to be contradicting, but that's usually on a face value. Once you do a little bit of digging, you don't have to usually do too much digging. All of a sudden, everything makes perfect sense. So that's what we'll, we'll also try to uh, you know uncover tonight. Okay, so what's going to be when Mashiach comes? It's going to be a world that's going to be very similar initially to our world, but it's going to be... Can we call it Earth 2.0? I, you know, I don't know. Let's, let's call it, you know, what is it, the better version? So it's going to be the, it's actually going to be the initial. This is the way that the world was intended to be. It's going to be a, uh, a world without any suffering, without any worry. Uh, people will live long and happy lives. And uh, the Rambam also brings down that obviously, you know, the Mashiach, the Mashiach will rebuild the Bet HaMikdash. There's going to be sacrifices. The, the Yovel and Shemitah, the sabbatical and the Jubilee, I believe is the, is the, 
funny translation. I don't know whoever came up with that, but I love it. It sounds very comical. It could be a uh, okay. I can't. I, I have to stop myself. Okay, so um, the 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 Shemitah and Yovel is going to come back. There is also going to be an increase in intelligence and wisdom to the to the extent that the entire world will desire to know one thing and one thing only: the truth and the knowledge of God. This is what it says in Yeshayahu, uh chapter eleven, verse nine: The entire world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. Now, that, what that means is that if somebody goes and opens up a Torah scroll, now, I'm not talking about opening up an art scroll, Chamesh, where everything is, you know, given for you. I'm talking about you open up an art scroll, you'll start learning it, and all of a sudden, the deepest secrets that generations and generations never be able to reveal will all, all of a sudden come revealed to you. Like, knowledge of, like, that is unprecedented. I have somebody that, that I'm close to. I, I may have mentioned this before, I don't know, I haven't asked him if I could say this publicly, but... Um, a little bit of a morbid thing. You want to know how he wants to die? I don't know if anybody thought about that. Yeah, like how he wants to die with an overflow of knowledge. He wants to have like so much knowledge, and that's how he dies. I don't know. I didn't ask any questions, but but it sounds very interesting. But, but you know what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? Not that you're going to die with so much knowledge, but there's going to be so much knowledge that and, and information that's going to be opened up to you that you're going to feel like you were blind the, your entire life. You're entirely like, what? You know, like you are living, the, the, you know, this way the entire time. Yeah, like in a bubble, exactly. You're in, in, in a sense, you're in a place that you never realize the deepest secrets that exist right in front of you. Now, this is not only for, uh, for the Jewish nation. It's going to be for the entire world. The entire, Mashiach is going to prove the entire world that this is going to be an end of all the evil and all the sin. In fact, the, the way that the world wars are going to end is that all of a sudden people are going to perceive God. And they're going to see the knowledge and understanding of God that all the, let's call it the Narishkeit, What's the, the nonsense. the nonsense, thank you, that exists, every, it, it all falls apart. And they'll be like, so there won't be any wars. There won't be any, there, there won't be any time, there won't be any famine, there won't be any jealousy, there won't be any hatred. It will be a, a, like literally utopia. It will be a place of pure goodness. Now the Rambam writes that the reason that we yearn for Mashiach is not before this utopian type of society. Obviously it will be, an, it's nice, but the main essence that we yearn for Mashiach is that we'll be able to serve God Without any uh, troubles, without any issues, and fully delve ourselves into serving, into serving Kadosh Baruch Hu. Now, when when Mashiach comes, so the, the concept of of who Mashiach is and and what he is, there are many people that they think that what what is Mashiach? Mashiach is an aspect that will be from like the greatest rabbi that everybody knows who he is. He's going to come and be like, oh, that's Mashiach. Of course, that's Mashiach. But in essence, really, what you know, what we learn is that it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. It's very possible and very likely that who is Mashiach going to be from a family that you've never heard before. From a person that you've never heard before and he's going to write and he's going to be a Mashiach. And this Mashiach is going to be greater in, in many aspects except for prophecy than Moshe Rabbeinu. The Zohar says that it's actually the Neshama, the, the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu as well. It also brings down also that it's part of, also of, of David Amalek as well. But the, um, the, the, the level of prophecy Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be higher. Mashiach will be wiser than Solomon, than King Solomon. Which I don't I don't want to go into a rampant you know you know side discussion of the the you know the wisdom of who who Shlomo Amalek had and what he had, but he will be wiser even than than uh, um, than Shlomo Amalek. The identity of Mashiach is not going to be based off like how many miracles he could perform and how many fish he could create or how many wine he could pour or whatever I don't know whatever you know the fake all the religions that say they say five it doesn't matter anything like that the only aspect of what Mashiach means if he's going to be Mashiach is if he accomplishes what he's supposed to be accomplished gathering all the Jewish people to El Tisad he's going to go and build the Bet HaMikdash so everything's going to be reinstated if he lives and survives that's Mashiach Ben David if not then it's not Mashiach if he dies he kills then it's not then it's not uh, then it's not Mashiach so now the 
question is, is will you be ready for it? And that's not like, a, like, are you ready? It's going to be any day. No, the question is like, like when it comes. Like, will you be ready? For it? And, and the Matsuda Sotra brings down that Mashiach is going to come without warning at all. Like, you're not going to be ready. The Baal Shem Tov brings down that you're going to be going throughout your regular day. Right? You're going to be doing whatever it is that you're doing on your regular day. You're going to be, I know I'm outdated, but I'm going to say it anyways because I don't know what's going on uh, nowadays. You're going to be playing Candy Crush and, um, or the newest other you know, uh, waste of time you know, gadget. And all of a sudden, everyone's going to be like, Mashiach is here. I'd be like, I didn't finish this you know, matching game. I don't know. You know like, and all of a sudden, you, know, you realize you're not a six-year-old and you, know, you have a life and maybe you have some personality and, and you know, things that you need to do, and, but Mashiach is here. Like, that's how it's going to come. It's not going to come and be like, well, Mashiach is coming any minute. You heard what's happening? Yeah, I hear Mashiach rustling in the, you know, in the, you know, in the background. It's like, you know, Yeshiva World News is saying something about it. They're hearing something. No, no. Mashiach is just going to come and be like, what? You know, even Rabbi Chaim Velazhin goes and brings down and be like, he'll be doing his normal things. And his wife will say, like, Mashiach is here. And be like, you know, are you sure? He's like, like, it's so, going to be so surprising to everybody. It's going to come so, uh, so suddenly, which is actually a little bit scary. So the question is, is that what's going to happen when it's going to happen, the timeline? So it's very possible that Mashiach will reveal himself and be like, wait, what? And then like all of a sudden then there's going to be the gathering of the exile. Then the, you know, the base of Megiddo is going to be rebuilt. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean that things are going to happen slowly or fast. What it means is that once Mashiach has come, it's going to take you by surprise. Does that make sense? You still seem some confused. Oh, so oh, spoiler. Okay, hold on that. We're gonna speak about that. Okay, so so uh, there's there's actually two aspects of that, and and you know, stay tuned. I don't know whatever other the right words to say in this situation, but yeah, we're gonna speak about that. There's a, there's a little bit of a uh, you know different paths that could happen. So. Rav Sadiagon goes and says that just like Koresh, which was the, who started the, initiated the, sec- the building of the second Beit Hamikdash, did so suddenly. So too, Mashiach will also will be. It, it will be a sudden, uh, you know, uh, you know, like a sudden thing. Mish- uh, the, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page ninety-seven A, says that there are three things that are going to happen suddenly. What are the three things that happen suddenly? Number one, you find the lost object. You don't anticipate the final. You have people that metal detectors, right? They take these things um, with headphones. Um, and they walk up and down. Do people still do this? I don't know. They walk yeah. down up and down the beach or whatever, and they're looking. They're looking. You know, I don't know if they're stealing. Well, let's try to be nice. They're trying to find lost objects or treasures or whatever it is that they're doing, right? So they're walking up and down. They're trying to find it. Generally, how do you find a lost object? You don't go looking for it. You're not a treasure hunter. What you do is you just happen to find it. So when you find something, it happens just suddenly. What else happens by you know suddenly? The Gemara says a scorpion bite. Now I think I speak for the majority of the population. You don't usually hold scorpions in your hands and be like, well, what's it going to be? Oh, look, its tail is going up. I think he likes me. And then, ouch. It doesn't usually happen by that. Usually the way that it works is that it comes suddenly. You don't see a scorpion because you're a normal person. And you don't hold a scorpion because you're a normal person. And a, and a scorpion doesn't usually bite you. But when it does, it's a surprise. And it's not something that you're expected. And what's the final thing that Gamal says? And by the way, I paraphrase a lot of that. The Gamal says, just a scorpion bite. So everything else was on me. right? The gema- a sneeze is, well, sneeze, you can realize that it's coming. Yeah. And then if God, forbid someone says God bl- if God forbid someone says God bless you, then you lose the sneeze. There's rules to these things. Now, right before, you have never had this before, right before someone's going like, <gasps> and someone says God bless you, and be like, I can't believe you just did this to me. <laughs> I wish upon you all the blessings. Okay, so now the, 
Moshe Rabbeinu, there's a lot of parallel things that happen when Moshe redeemed the Jewish nation and what's going to happen with Mashiach. Now, the question is, is will there be an opposition to Mashiach? Will the people be like, well, you know, he's not my Mashiach, you know? Ah, so it's a very, so, so it's a good, so let's, so yes, yes and no and possibly. So let's try to understand that. Yes and no and possibly. So the, um, in the time of, of Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went and he redeemed the Jewish nation out of Egypt, Moshe Rabbeinu, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, go and redeem, the, you know, to get the Jewish people out of exile. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu say? Like, why would they believe me? Like, why should they, you know, listen to me? So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't slandering the Jewish people. He wasn't saying like, oh, you know, they're not, you're not, they're not going to trust that there's a redeemer. Rather, he's saying, no, no, logically, like, why should they believe me? Like, why should somebody go, if somebody goes and says, like, I'm the Mashiach, you shouldn't just believe them. Otherwise, you will have a, you know... A crazy amount of, we'll have a Mashiach institution. You know, like, there are so many Mashiachs out there that claim to be Mashiach. <laughs> yeah. So, that, that now the, so, so, so really what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying is that it's not a bad thing, but really we, we do. It's not like we're going to test Mashiach, but Mashiach has to prove himself. There is going to be a level of, of proof that he, has to, that he has to give. That even in the time of Egypt, that the Jewish people, they craved, they wanted Mashiach. It wasn't like, Baruch Hashem, nowadays, we live in a place that, yes, we're suffering, yes, we're, there's anti-Semitism, yes, there's problems, but we live... You know, we're not under slavery. I mean, you know, define, depends on why you find slavery, you know, after your desires and money, then maybe, yeah. But generally speaking, we're not under slavery. We're, we're able to live our lives. So we're not, mm, oh, I hope I'm going to say this right. We're not yearning for redemption as much as the slaves yearn the redemption. Tread carefully, uh, you know, on those lines. Because, yeah, exactly. If you put somebody in the corner, then they want out more. So even in the time of, and again, we, we should all, and you know, yearn for the redemption just like they did when, you know, when they were in the corner, when, you know, uh, in the time of, of Mitzrayim, in the time of Egypt. However, even when they wanted it so badly, they were being tortured, their kids were being murdered, they were being murdered, and they wanted it, they still went and they said, Moshe Abinu, like, prove it to us. How do you, how do we know that you're the Mashiach? How do you know that, and he had to go and prove it. So, so too, the, when Mashiach comes, it will have to go under some sort of scrutiny. And again, that's not going to be like how much magic tricks he can perform. Rather, it's going to be, but is he going to accomplish what he needs to go and accomplish? The Rambam, however, says that once Mashiach is revealed, no one will question him. So the question is, how do you understand this? Is people going to question him or are people not going to question him? So, well, we could say, yeah. So that's one answer that I also thought of, that in the beginning, people are going to question him. But once... Everybody knows about it. No one's going to question it anymore. However, there's a different you know, interpretation that I see. This is based off the Archaim. That if the Jews merit redemption, then no one's going to question him. What does it mean that if the Jews merit redemption? Meaning that if Mashiach is going to come early, if the Jewish nation are going to follow the Torah completely the way that they're supposed to, then what's going to happen? Then Mashiach is going to come early. And if it comes early, it's going to be that Mashiach is going to be very, very obvious and no one's going to question. However, if it comes at the end of days, meaning that the time has come where either the world is going to be destroyed or Mashiach is going to come, meaning that's the, to- the, 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 the final, final time, that's when Mashiach comes, that's when come and people are going to go and start questioning it. And this is something we're going to see a lot today, is that Mashiach can come either early or late. And if it comes early, there's going to be a very, very different way that it's going to come as opposed to if it comes late. Whether it's going to be through miracles, there's a lot, a lot of uh, you know discussion that that's that early or final, not late. You're right. Late is not a right. It's like well, last resort. Last resort. Yeah, I like that. The last resort, the final destination. Uh, that sounds morbid. Uh, the final, well, last resort. Let's say about that. That's a good one. Yeah. So what? Final <laughs> Yeah. So 
so now let's move on to the next next uh, you know subject matter on this is nature animals how will nature and animals be during the time of Mashiach comes is it going to be exactly the same that it is right now or can you have a pet tiger? And I'm not talking about people that live in Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about Lenore, like what's going to be during you know, that time. So there's a Pasuk in Vayikah, chapter 26, verse 6, that says, I will remove the wild beast from the land. And there's also a Pasuk from Yish, uh, on, on uh, uh, Yeshayahu, Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 6, that says that the wolf shall live together with the lamb. What's that kid's story with the... There's nothing... Oh, that's not a lamb. That's a pig, no? Oh, no, no, that is a, that could be lambs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boy who cried wolf. No, 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 it's the boy who cried wolf. Right? So wolves and lamb generally don't coexist peacefully together. But yet, you know, Isaiah says that what? That when Mashiach comes, they're going to live together. So there's a lot, a lot of interpretations of what this means. The Rambam, Maimonides, goes and says, this is something that um, we, we understand as follows. That's not literally, but more figuratively. That Mashiach, Mashiach comes, the Jewish people are known as the people like lamb. Like very calm, very, you know, whatever it is. You know, um, and the Gentile nations are known as wolves. Now, what it means is that when Mashiach comes, the wolves and the lamb will live peacefully together. Meaning that the Jewish nations and the non-Jewish nations will live together peacefully. Meaning that there's not going to be war, there's not going to be anti-Semitism, everyone's going to be following one path. That's how the Rambam goes and explains it. The Radvaz goes and explains it a little bit differently. He says that, we're, what does it mean that wolf and the lamb will, will... By the way, when I say wolf, it means that all predatory animals. Lamb means all, you know, domestic... What is it? Uh, domesticated animals? It's not like cat or dog? What's the regular, like... like uh, not predatory animals. Right. right. So they, um, the, the Radvaz goes and learns that, that in El Israel is going to have a different nature than throughout the world. In El Israel, the wolf and the lamb will dwell, will dwell together. However, throughout the entire world, nature will be as it was before. The Radak goes and says that, no, even in El Israel, the wolf will have the same nature and the lamb will have the same nature, but they will not damage anybody. Somehow they will hold themselves back, whatever it is, and they're not going to damage anybody. The Ramban goes and says, that everything will indeed change. The wolves, the, all the predatory animals will become peaceful animals. But the question is, is that we know that when Mashiach comes, the Rambam brings this down also, that what's going to be the big difference, based off of Gemara, that the only difference that's going to be is that there's not going to be a subjugation of the nations. The nations are not going to subjugate us, the Jewish people are going to be free to serve God. So if, the, and the way that we understand this, is that the world will be exactly, the, Mashiach, the world will be exactly the same. So how do we understand that the world will be exactly the same? And the answer is, the Ramban says, is that what's going to be the world, the world is going to go and revert back to the time before the sin of Adam Arishan, which somebody... In this, okay, yes, thank you. So, the world will return back. So, meaning it's not going to change. It's just going to revert back to the way that it was before. And the way that it was before the sin of Adam Hashan, that the predatory animals were not predatory animals. They were just regular animals. They were not ones that fight. So, it will be a certain, it's going to go revert back to that. And the wolf and the lamb will dwell, uh, you know, peacefully together. And this is that the Maral also goes and explains it, that in days of Mashiach, the harvest was sown and reaped on the same day. You were able to, everything was happening like instantly. It's crazy what, you know, just to think about it, I can't even begin to explain how, how the natural process of this would work through scientific, you know, uh, you know, understanding, but this thing's like everything will happen naturally. And we'll soon see how, what, in, in what aspects also that it means. Now, in regarding to the Beta Megdash, um, the Yushalayim is, is destined to be enlarged. And we can actually see it now. If anybody go, if anybody here has been to Israel, they know that generally what was Yushalayim, now Yushalayim is known as an old city. 
There's, a, there's an old city, and then there's, you know, the general Yerushalayim. But yeah, what was Yerushalayim? The old city. The old city was tiny. You could walk that, you know, I mean, you could walk the Jewish part very quickly. I don't know about like, how big the, you know, the, the actual size is, but you could walk it, you know, very easily. But now what Yerushalayim is, it's, you know, how long it'll take you to walk it. You, you could spend hours in it walking from side to side. So when Mashiach comes, Yerushalayim is going to expand even more. How far? It's going to reach Damascus. Damascus is in Syria. Very, very far. We'll soon see how, you know, how, you know, how far it's going to be and how large Yerushalayim is going to expand to. And Yerushalayim is going to be the capital of all the nations of the world. That's going to be where everybody's going to go and to come into. I was thinking about like what, what exists nowadays as the capital. I don't know if there is a capital. You could say America, like Washington. But, you know, like everyone travels around. But when Mashiach comes, the capital is going to be Yerushalayim. And what it's going to be is that every nation that oppressed the Jewish people, they're going to see the rejoicing of the Jewish people. They're going to see the building they're going to be, and they're going to be upset about it. They're going to be, it's going to be difficult for them. And the Tanah Devei Eliyahu goes and says that each one of those that oppress the Jewish people, they're going to die. And they're never going to return back to the world. They're not going to be resurrected. But the nations that didn't oppress the Jewish people, the nations that were good to the Jewish people, it almost sounds like trash talking. I don't know what, what the, you know, like, but this is what the, you know, this is what the Midrashim tells us. This is what Chazal tells us. That the nation that did not oppress the Jewish people, they're, they're going to ones that are going to survive and they're also going to be the ones that are going to be able, they're going to work the land, they're going to be the farmers, they're going to be the ones that dwell in the, in, in the more in the physical aspect of the world. The Talmud Yerushalmi goes and, and says like this. Uh, you know, the question is, is that when is the Bet HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt. Is it going to be rebuilt before Mashiach comes or after Mashiach comes? And there's a difference of opinion. And this is a lot of things that you see. There's a difference of opinion. Yeah? Um, when we say when Mashiach comes, is that like, like how do we know it's here? Is that the whole, the shofar, and like, is the person who's going to get up and be like, I'm Mashiach? So the initial, so how do you know the Mashiach is here? The, the initial, so, so we know Mashiach is going to initially reveal himself in Israel, in Yerushalayim. Yeah, someone's going to get up. I don't know how it's going to be, if you're going to get a WhatsApp text and be like, you know, like, <laughs> urgent. But it's, some, it's one of those things that, like, you'll know. Um, the whole sky like it's just, like, it's going to be known. Yes, yes, yeah, there's, there's going to be a day there's going to be a great shofar, so maybe you could listen for the shofar. Um, maybe if you're listening to music, you won't hear the shofar, unless you listen to music. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to be, but one thing... Right, but, but when Mashiach reveals himself, that's very likely it's going to be before all these things happen. So you will know. It's like, don't worry about, like, you don't have to search throughout the entire news, like, maybe this is Mashiach. It's one of those things that don't go looking for him, he'll come looking for you. You know, like, yeah, you'll, Bezal Hashem will know. Um, so the Talmud Yashami brings down that the Beit HaMikdash is going to build before Mashiach comes. However, the Rambam brings down, the Mashiach will come first, and then he'll build the Beit HaMikdash. And really, when we think about it, which one makes more sense? The first Mashiach comes, and then the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt. Why? Because every day, we know one of the Animamin is that you have to anticipate Mashiach coming every day. So if we need to wait till Mashiach builds a Beit HaMikdash, so how can we anticipate him every day? Mashiach is not, the Beit HaMikdash is not built. So rather, so how do we understand this conflict? So, this, like many of, uh, you know, of the other conflicts in regard to Mashiach, we understand as follows. Very, very simple understanding that you plug this formula in, it answers almost majority of the questions regarding to the conflicts on Mashiach. That if Mashiach comes early, then what's going to be is Mashiach is, Mashiach is going to come first, and then there's going to be the building of the Bet HaMikdash. However, if Mashiach comes, what do we say, the final destination? Last resort. If it's going to come to the last resort, then what's going to be? Then it's going to be in a sense that there are, 
you know, the, the temple could be rebuilt first, and then Mashiach is actually going to, that's actually going to come. So there's two aspects that you could look at, you know, at this. And this is also, once you're speaking about the building of the Beth HaMikdash, how is it going to come? There are many people that learned when they were younger that the Beth HaMikdash is going to come descend from heaven. There's going to be a fire, you know, Beth HaMikdash is going to be descend from heaven. At the same point in time, it says that there's going to be a physical, you know, uh, a building of the Beth HaMikdash. So the Awuch Lanel goes and, and explains as follows. It says that really there's going to be a physical building of the Beth HaMikdash, but its spiritual counterpart will actually fall down from heaven. And so there's going to be, there's really a both aspect of it. Because we know everything in, in this world has both a spiritual aspect and a physical aspect. Look at the human body. Has a, has a, has a physical, you know, body and then a spiritual soul. So the Beth HaMikdash also is going to have a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect. So one is going to be built and one is going to come down, you know, on, you know, from heaven. Okay, so this is the Gemara and Bava Bata. And on page 75b, and I was actually thinking if I should say this or not, uh, just because of probably the amount of questions that I'm going to get to this. I'm just going to say it and I'm going to tell you beforehand what went in the house. I don't know. It's crazy. What's these specific numbers? I don't know, but just listen in to, uh, you know, what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, first of all, that in this world, if you want to go to Yerushalayim, you can come to Yerushalayim. In the next world, you have to be invited only. Uh, meaning that, um, what are those types of parties that you could only come? It's a, is that a call? VIP? Okay. Whatever it is, the type of party, it, you know, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be like, are you on the list or not? <laughs> Right, they're going to be bouncers in front of um, in front of Yushlaim and be like, "What's your name?" You know, and be like, "You keep the six hundred and thirteen. What's the password?" Torah, you're in. All right, I don't know if that's a password, whatever. Okay, so anyways, so now in the future, Hakadosh Baruch will go and add to Yushlaim. Here's the numbers. Figuratively, literally, I'm just going to give it to you. There's going to be added to Yushlaim 169,000 gardens, 210,000 towers. 146,000 buildings, 345,690 smaller buildings. The Kavayasha goes on and brings, and, and goes and says the Beta Migdash will, is destined to be 18 mil by 18 mil. Now, mil is not short for miles. Mil is a, you know, Talmudic, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a, a measurement. So, but if you do the calculation, one mil actually equals one kilometer. So 18 mil by 18 mil actually equals 11.18 miles by 11.18 miles. So it's destined to be the Beta Migdash is supposed to be that size. 11, 0.18 miles by 11.1, the, the size is, is crazy. Like, it's, I, you know, like, That's I don't know if we understand. Exactly, I was rather, if like you want to speak, walk from like here to like the beach. It's like, it's ridiculous, yeah, I don't know. So uh, again, what, when, where, and how, don't ask questions, I'm just giving you the information. The, it is going to be surrounded by walls. One wall is going to be a silver, one wall is going to be out of gold, one wall is going to be out of precious stones. And these walls will have a, 1,488 towers made out of gems. And between every two towers, there's going to be 120 gates, each which also will be made out of precious stones. And there will also be 2,003 pools of spring water that emerge from the mountain, which is going to be around where the temple stands. Then Yerushalayim will go, and they will, we remember that we said that it's going to expand to Damascus. How, how big will Yerushalayim be? It will be 400 pasa by 400 pasa. One pasa equals 400 uh, mil, which if you translate it to today, will be 994 miles by 994 miles, which is very, very large. Now, are you going to ask me a bunch of questions? I don't know. I'm just going to tell you, right? just don't ask me. I don't know. We'll see what, like the Ramah says, we'll see like what, how it will be, when it will be. But these are the numbers that the Gemara, the Kavayashah brings, uh, brings down. So now... Because they eat so much, or no? Okay, <laughs> spiritually, uh, no. Because I mean, before Adam Alishan, they were bigger, right? So I don't know. I don't know if we're all of a sudden going to grow. Um, you know, 
you know, I mean, men will appreciate that. But I don't know if women would want that. Then they have to buy a whole new wardrobe. Whatever. It's a difficult, uh, difficult things to, you know, speak about that. Um, so, in any case, the um, what, what about the, the the commandments? This is something that we spoke about in the Thirteen Principles of Faith, I think, series we spoke about. That what's going to be when the commandments? What about the Torah? The Torah is fought once Mashiach comes. What do we have the Beit Hamikdash? Is the commandments going to stay or is it not going to stay? So. Let's try to do a, a you know a, a quick understanding of this, and then we can move on to uh, the next uh, part of this. The Gemara page sixty one b goes and speaks about klaim. Klaim. So one one aspect of klaim is shotness. Shotness is when you have wool and linen together. We're not allowed to wear wool and linen together. So now, the Gemara goes and says that if somebody has a a, a, a beggar, a, a piece of cloth that has wool and linen, they're not allowed to even sell it to non Jew. They're not allowed to even use it as a saddle for their donkey. However, they are allowed to use it as burial shrouds for the dead. So the Gemara, there's one Gemara, there's one, there's one opinion from the Gemara that learns over here that what that if somebody is allowed to be buried in something that is climbed, something that is shotness, meaning that in the future the commandments will be annulled, because you see that he's able to sit, go and and uh, and and be buried in something that's forbidden while they're alive. So now. There are ways to understand this, the way that we spoke about it previously. And what that means is, is that you can look at it in two aspects. Doesn't mean that, what does it mean in the future? In the future can mean two aspects. It mean, in the future can mean when Mashiach comes, after the resurrection of the dead. Or it can mean when they're dead right now. So meaning that right now, let's say a person is passed away. The question is, is he liable or is she liable to follow the Torah? Meaning, can she or he be buried in, in shotness? So one, up, one option we can think about it like this and say like, when you're dead, you don't have to follow the Torah, because you're dead. You don't have to follow the Torah. You can be buried in things that you're not allowed to be worn. But once you're alive, then all of a sudden you're going to be required against in the laws. So does it mean that in the future the commandments are going to be annulled? Does that mean, what does it mean in the future? In the future means when you die? Or in the future does it mean when Mashiach comes? It's a good question. What, how do we understand this? So, the Ritva goes and says that when Mashiach comes, we're no longer going to be obligated to go and follow the commandments. Rather, we're going to do it voluntary. Now, what does that mean, you know, obligated and, and, and voluntary? The, you know, the understanding of this is as follows. That in order to have a commandment, you have to have two separate entities. You have to have, ooh, I don't know the terminology of this, a commander and a commandee. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so, right? So you have two, you have to have two aspects. But if you're one entity, as long as you're not schizophrenic, you cannot have a commander and a commandee. You cannot say, well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. Well, yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> I am going to go and I'm going to go to the gym. I'll be like, well, you're not. You're going to eat some peanut butter and jelly. And that, you know, the, you can't have two aspects in one body. You could have, if it's separate, you could have it. So what's going to be nowadays, we see God as a separate entity. But really, the essence of it is what? Is that God is really the same. It, it, you know, it, it's part of everything. Everything, everything is God. But nowadays, we see it as different. So nowadays, we see it as two separate entities. You can have a commander and a commandee. However, when Mashiach comes, there's going to be the Timelah, the entire world will be filled with the knowledge of God. And everyone's going to realize that everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Every aspect of every molecule of everything is all God. So when you have everything of all God, there's not going to be an aspect of a commandee and a commander. There's not going to be two aspects. Everybody's going to be united in a sense that we know that we're all part of God. We're all part of, of, of one entity. And if we're all part of one entity, then there's not going to be an obligation because the only time you can have an obligation is when you have two entities, but once Mashiach comes and everybody's going to be one entity, so it's going to be, there's not going to be a commandment. So what is it going to be? It's going to be voluntary. But rather, not that the Torah is going to change, not that the Torah is going to stay, oh no, no, you don't have to do this, we're going to have to do it. But the understanding of how we do it, it's not going to be called a commandment, it's going to be called something called voluntary. It's not a hope. Like we understand it, you Not the fact that, that doesn't matter whether we understand it or whether we don't understand it. The aspect is, is that we... 
we're not, there's not going to be that the definition obligated will make no sense, is what I'm saying. We'll want to. Because we'll want to. Yeah, we'll want to. It's not going to be, but even more than that, there's not going to be, obligated is not going to be a word that, you know, Merriam Webster is going to be like, you're just going to have to erase it from the dictionary. It's not going to be there anymore. He, whatever, I don't know, we spoke about this before, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, right? The, uh, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a concept that we understand anymore because it's not going to be an obligation, the, the obligation means two, two entities. So there's no Right, there will be no Yetzirah, right. So, the, even furthermore, the, what about the, the um, Nevim and the Ketuvim, the Gemara and Yoshami goes and says, that Rabbi Yochanan says that what, that in the future, the Nevim and the Ketuvim, the prophets and the writings are going to be annulled, and the Midrash Esau says, except for, um, for, for, for the, for Megillat Estel, for, you know, for the Purim, uh, you know, sorry. So meaning, meaning that when Mashiach comes, we're going to have the five books of Moses, and the Megillat Estel. So how do we understand that? The Rabbi goes and says that, doesn't mean that it's going to be annulled, that it doesn't, it's going to be cease to exist, but rather, we're going to be, we're going to cease to exist, we're going to cease to read these books in public. And it's going to, it's going to be a completely different, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, understanding. The, ooh, okay, we're going to have to skip a little bit. So, the Midrash Mishlei goes also and says that Yom Kippur is all, the Day of Atonement is also going to be, and uh, is going to remain that day, it's never going to be annulled. The Radvaz goes and says that, what does it mean that it's going to be annulled? It's not that it's actually going to remove, it's, it's going to, it's, it's not going to be there anymore. What? So, so how do we understand it? No, 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 we're talking about it here. Yom, right now we're talking about Yom Tovim. Regarding to the, the, the different, you know, Sfarim, and it means that, so one, one interpretation we said is that it's not going to be read in public anymore. That's what we, you know, that's what we understand. And why, when, where, and how? Let's just try to, you know, clarify this a little bit. But the Radvaz goes and says that, what does it mean that the festivals, the Yom Tovim are going to be annulled? Meaning that the, entire, the Yom Tovim, what does Yom Tov mean? Yom Tov means a good day. Meaning it's going to be a festive day. It's a day of happiness. A day of, uh, that's, that's above the level of the happiness and the level of, the, uh, of, the, of where we are in the weekday. When Mashiach comes, all the days are going to be like Yom Tovim. Every, so there's not going to be a differentiation between like Sukkot and any other day. Because it's just like Sukkot, you're always happy. Just like Pesach, you're always happy. Just like, you know, you have this Mansev Chateni. You're always going to be on such a high level. You're always going to be on that high level. So you're not going to see a difference between the regular weekday and the, and the Yom Tovim. They're going to be equally as, as joyous. That Barbanel goes and says that also gives a different interpretation. What does it mean that the, the, the holidays are going to be annulled? Not that there's going to be something that's going to be annulled per se in the actual days, but rather the miracles that will happen when Mashiach comes are going to be so great that the miracles that happened previously are going to feel like, like almost as if they were annulled. Like, well, like that miracle? Like, you know what just happened to me? Like, if somebody goes, try to give this an example. If somebody goes and um, they almost get mugged, Right? But they get saved from it. And they'd be like, wow, you know what happened to me? I almost got mugged. But let's say they were encountered by, uh, and I know it's too soon, but I'm going to go there, by a group of like 10 black Israelites with knives and, and guns. And they got out of that. Are they going to speak about the time that they almost got mugged by the Puerto Rican? Or, I don't know why I just said that, or are they going to go and they're going to say like, no, what are you talking about? It's like, I just got saved from a, a minyan of black Israelites. You know, like, I got just saved from, like, a group of, like, you know, like, these type of people. Like, where are you going to go? Are you gonna, so, meaning that once you have something, like, crazy that happens, the less crazier thing, you don't, it's not on your mind anymore. So, meaning that when Mashiach comes, the miracles that will happen when Mashiach comes is going to be so significant, so amazing, that all the miracles and all the holidays that we had previously and be like, yeah, that existed and we know and we appreciate it, but, like, well, you know what just happened? Like, so you understand the difference of how, how we are going to go and understand it? So that's what it means 
the uh, Bar Benel goes and explains the um, the miracles of, of Mashiach. There's also another aspect of understanding this is that the, there's going to be no. Uh, well, mm, I spoke too soon. Um, I'm going to stick with uh, I don't know. I'll stick with I don't know. I like that answer. I don't know. <laughs> so um, my final answer. Okay. So is I don't know. Um, but the truth is I do know. But let's speak about this afterwards. Okay. So now the so. I'm going to get too off topic. So there's also another uh, understanding of this, is that you have, when Mashiach comes, and then the resurrection of the dead comes, so you're going to have two people. You're going to have two groups of people. You have people that were alive, and the people that were resurrected. So one interpretation is that, what does it mean that the commandments are going to be annulled? The commandments are going to be annulled for the people that are resurrected, meaning that they weren't, they died, and now they came back to life. For them, different laws, different rules that they have to go through. But the people that were born and were alive the whole time, they have to go and follow the Torah, and follow the, you know, the commandments. So now, now let's try to understand this. We have this, uh, uh, you know, if you look inside and you look at all the sources, a lot of conflicting information. At one point, Simon says that the, the commandments are going to be nullified, meaning that there's some opinions that say that the commandments are going to be nullified across the board. Torah is not going to exist the way that we that exists now. And at some point, the way that we explained it, no, it is going to exist because the Torah says that it's not, the Torah will never change. So how do we understand this? But even furthermore, we can take this to another level. We know that in the aspect of, of the, the natural world, the Brahma, for example, says, and we, we, we see this many, many sources, that the only difference between the days of Mashiach and the days that we are right now is that there's not going to be a subjugation of the nations, meaning that everything is going to be exactly the same. You're going to sleep, you're going to eat, you're going to have to, everything is going to be back to the same, ex- except for the fact that you're not going to have the subjugation of the nations, you're going to be able to serve God fully. But then at the same point in time, we said there's going to be a tremendous amount of miracles. We know that women are going to be, give birth and trees will, will harvest new harvest, like Manchabat, page 30b says, on a daily basis. This is going to happen on a daily basis. There's not going to be a, a waiting period that you have to go through. Everything's going to happen instantly. The, the trees are going to come out with ready-made cakes and clothing. It's going to come out, you know, sizes zero through whatever is the sizes that it goes to, 652. I don't know. All right, so you're going to have all, everything's going to come ready-made from the trees. But how do we understand that? I thought it's regular. I thought nature's supposed to be the same. I thought the only difference is it's only that there's not going to be a subjugation of the nations. So how do we understand all these conflicting, uh, you know, I, you know, ideas? So the Shlach goes and explains like this. It says there's going to be a period, the Shlach breaks it down to two periods. That there's going to be a period where the Jews are going to be autonomous. Everybody, they're going to be able to follow the Torah. They're going to do whatever they need to do regular, but through the course of nature. Then there's going to be another another period, and that's going to be the resurrection. Once the resurrection comes, this is going to be completely miraculous, it's going to change completely the laws of nature. And this is really how we understand it. And I've, I've read also that this is not only in two phases, but, but Mashiach is going to be in multiple phases. How do we understand this is that all these conflicting things, that there's going to be, initially, it's going to be exactly the same. It's going to be exactly, phase one, it'll be exactly the same, shame, only there's not going to be a subjugation of nations. And then what's going to happen after that? Then it's going to go to stage two. What's stage two? There's not going to be any birth or death, and people are going to live long, you know, like forever lives, whatever it is. And then there's going to be where the commandments are going to be nullified, to a certain extent. So there's going to be certain stages, certain stages in a way that things, you know, that, you know, that, that things happen. How, and there's something very interesting that, um, I learned there's something very interesting that you could skip all the stages and go to the fun stage, right? The last stage where all the miracles will happen. How do you do that? If Mashiach comes early. And if Mashiach comes, you know, while, um, not the last resort, but rather coming in, in a sense where it's coming because we earned it, then it's going to be able to skip to that last aspect of it that everything's going to be miraculous. It's going to be, a, uh, you know, the nature is going to change, the world is going to change, so everything is going to go and, and go into, into a different aspect. And this is also how we understand 
you know, the Torah. It says, you know, in the Midrashim, that the Torah that we study in this world is nothing compared to the Torah that, that we'll study in the days of Mashiach. What it, that, that means there's not going to be a new Torah, the way that the Christians want to interpret there's going to be a new Testament. No, no. The Torah is going to be exactly the same. But what's going to be a difference? Like we said before, that you're going to open up the Torah and you're going to be able to learn all the deepest secrets that you were never able to understand beforehand. So you're going to be able to learn the, the crazy, the, the, the secrets of the world. Literally, the secrets of the world are going to be open in front of you. And it says even the simplest Jew will be able to see from one part of the earth to the other part of the earth. Again, is that literally, figuratively? It doesn't matter. Both sides are cool. Right? You're going to be able to see from all aspects. Your mind is going to be opened up to the secrets of the Torah. Now for the final aspect of it, how long will the length of Mashiach stay? How long will Mashiach uh, you know, be there? So there's none, other, none, none less than 10 opinions. In the Gemara, in Sanhedrin, page 99, it says like this. I'll give you all 10. Number one, it will last 40 years. Number two, I was thinking about like you could choose whatever you want, but the truth is you can't. It's just going to be whatever it's going to be. Number one, it's going to be 40 years. Number two, it's going to be 70 years. Number three, it's going to be three generations. Number four, it's going to be 365 years compared to the years of the solar calendar. Number five, it's going to be 400 years. Number six, it's going to be 2,000 years. Number seven, it's going to be the amount of time where God gave the, the oath that there's never going to be another flood until Mashiach comes. So the amount of time that elapsed since that, that's how long Mashiach is going to be. Number eight, is going to be from the time of creation until the days of, until the Mashiach. So however long it was from the beginning of the creation until today when Mizadah Mashiach is coming. So you're going to have that time is going to be the, the days of Mashiach. Number nine is 7,000 years. And number 10, a whopping number of 365,000 years. That's how long the, Mashiach, the days of Mashiach is going to be. How, when, and where, what? I don't know. We'll find. That, oh, this brings me to my final point. This is how the Rambam goes and explains it. It says, how will we understand this? How will we see this? At, we don't know. When it comes, that's when we will see it. That's when we all understand it. But to say beforehand and what, where, and how, that we don't know. A thousand years wasn't on the list? Not on the list, no. I think the Mount Chalsa was a thousand, no? Number 11. <laughs> we have a new interpretation over here. Let's add it to the list. A thousand. I think the Mount Chalsa is it. It could be. I'm bringing off the t- main opinions from the Gemara. And then that last thousand years. Right. Right, so I'm bringing specifically what the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 99b says. Ah, oh, what happens after that? I was hoping nobody would ask that. So, um... Uh, right, you're not worried about that. It's like, who cares what's going to happen when you pay off your mortgage? Like, who's going to be alive by then? So, okay, so no, everyone should be alive. Right, but yeah, we should be careful. So, the, um, after Mashiach comes the era called the Olam Haba. The world to come is going to be actually after Mashiach comes. What's going to be with this world? It's a good question, but the, the simple understanding of her, for it is that it's going to be destroyed. This world, as we know it, will be destroyed. It will return to Toa Vavo, the way that it was beforehand. Um, the souls will live on to a certain extent, but the Mashiach is going to be where both the soul and the body is together. And then the question is, what's going to happen after that, where it's going to be the Olam Abba, the Olam Neshamot, the, 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 um, the era of, of, you think about it, the, the, Reward, the real reward of what you, everything that you accomplish in this world. That's what's going to be at, that after Mashiach comes. How long? A very long time. Infinity squared. That's a thing. Forever. Yeah, this is just like, a lot of the information in this, in this, uh, Shul, this class is really just more like, it's just like information. It's like facts. It's like, here it is. You know, you want it, you don't want it, doesn't matter. Right? It's beyond. But what's interesting is, is that the world is going to be very different. But one thing we understand, 
And when we look at it, is that the world, the, the purpose of it all is really that we should serve God. And we should be able, what, what is the purpose of the serve God? I was, uh, speaking to one of my, uh, uh, my students and, and we were, you know, he was like, but like, what's the point of it all? He kept on like, going back to the same point, like, but what's the point? Like, why the, why do we need all this? Like, what's the point of Mashiach if, if the evil inclination is not going to be there anymore? So, the, 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 I don't know if we spoke about it the last time, we spoke about this many times, uh, you know, in different classes that whatever you work on, Right now, you'll be able to work on when Mashiach comes. Mashiach is that era. It's sort of that, like, I don't want to call it extra credit. Transition. It's a transition. Catalyst is also good. It's going to be easier. Yes, it's going to be an era where everything that you wanted to accomplish in this world and you couldn't, you could accomplish it over there. But where does that work? Only on things that you started working on now. So if Mashiach comes, like, now, I'm in. Um, is everything that you've currently worked on until this point, you'll be able to continue working on. But let's say there are like some things, you know, there are everybody be like, you know, I want the, the guys, right? So they want to finish shots, they want to finish Shulano, they want to finish, they want to work on all these things, but they never actually started in it, they're not going to be able to finish it. So the girl aspect, just plug in everything that is that, you know, woman, it's, so you need to go and pray, you need to go and dress modestly. Everything that you wanted to go and work on, if you started working on it now, you could accomplish it to the full extent when Mashiach comes. If you didn't, you can't accomplish it. So Mashiach is that, I guess you could call it a catalyst. You could, you could call it a part to, to your end goal, to, to, to where you have the final, you know, the final end where you're going to be able to go and you're going to be able to... Exactly. Perfect word that I was going to... You're going to be able to utilize your full potential during that time. But only things that utilize, utilize it now. And everything over here, we see these are things that help it. That's all I'm about. The reward. Pleasure? No, but like, uh, if it's infinite, like, it's not as good. Oh, very good question. So if it's infinite... Like knowing that something could use up, it makes it feel better. Right. So that's the way that we know in this world. So the way that it works in this world is that if, let's say, you go... And this is, a, this is how Rabbi Dessler goes and explains it. That if you go in this world, and you are very excited, you're going to go, and you're going to... Uh, let's say you're a foodie. Is that the right term? Yeah, so let's say you're, you're like obsessed with, with, uh, with like, like delicacies of the, you know, of the mouth, I guess. Um, and, uh, you go, and you decide you're gonna go to the most expensive restaurant in the world. Uh, I think for the Jewish world is reserve cut. Does that make sense? I don't know. So, uh, whatever it is, um, it's not, because it's probably somewhere in California. So, um, right. So, you go and you, every bite that you take, so the first bite, it's like, oh, it's so delicious. Second bite, it's, oh, it's so delicious. Third bite, you'd be like, I can't believe how much I'm paying for this. Fourth bite, you'd be like, it's all right. And you keep on, as you're eating, it doesn't taste as good as it was the first bite. So what happens that whenever you indulge in any, this is in any pleasure, any pleasure, whether it's drugs or any forbidden pleasures in this world, the initial is the best. And as you continue along, it gets less and less and less and less. Unless, obviously, we implement that change aspect of it. But generally, you're getting less and less. The way that it works in Olama Ba is it doesn't work that way. That you're going to take, hypothetically speaking, no steak in the next one, right? Whatever, in Olama Ba. But, like, let's say you take the first bite of the steak and be like, oh, it's delicious. In the next world, the second bite is going to be even more delicious than the first bite. And the third bite is going to be even more delicious than the fourth, than, than, than the third bite. So every second that you are in Olama Ba, it gets better and better and better and better and better. Until forever, we can't understand that concept because we live in a finite universe. Yeah, we're 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 incumbent by space and time, so we cannot understand we an infinite space. We even have a hard time understanding it, and infinite time. We also have a hard time understanding it. But what's going to be there is that every pleasure is going to be greater than the pleasure beforehand. It should be.
situation. It's something that we don't, we can't exist or live on this world. We don't, we don't anticipate, we can't understand it. It's a, that's what the next world is. Okay. So now, uh, any more questions on this, on this thing? Yeah. It's so funny. I had a guy yesterday that asked me the same exact. He says, "I'm going to be used more than ten percent of my brain," um, and I said, "I hope you use more ten percent now," because um, I don't know if that's is that a thing. Is that a thing that people only use ten percent of the brain? Is that is that people that play video games or everybody? Drug addicts or everybody only use ten percent? Everybody. It just shows how much capacity. Oh, that's it's a CPU usage is only ten percent. Um, but he asked me the same thing. I, I, very interesting. But I would assume that yeah, you probably use more. I mean, it, it's. Will you? Re- I don't. I, no, I've never seen anywhere that's going to be that you can be like uh, the next world. Yes, the next world. The way that you get around it is is you know there's no wings. But I'm saying you're able to. Oh, okay. I shouldn't speak like that. But uh, um, you, the, yeah, you can fly in Ghana, for example. You can. That's how you tra- you know you move around. But in you know in Mashiach days, I've never seen anywhere that you're you're there's flying or you know sprout some wings and you know, you're going to carry a broomstick. I don't know. None of those stuff. Yeah. So I have a question. Will we be bringing carbonos? Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times yes. Um, there will be carbonos. You will have to. There was a. You know, there was many big rabbis that they used to keep track of what carbonos they have to bring when Mashiach comes. Um, like we're not sinning. Initially, so again, it's going to be. A, initially, you're going to bring it. Right, it's going to be phases. Initially, you will, and then eventually, it'll come point. Well, yeah, you're right. It will be carbon total. Maybe there's different carbonos that's not only based on sinning, or not only carbon hadat that you have to bring. Yes. So, okay, doesn't it say that like two thirds of the world is going to be killed, and the Jewish people, 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 With those two things on top of it, you survive, but what if, I mean, I know Shabbat is one, but what if you're not modest, and what if you're not doing certain things that are so, right, so, that you could, because I know a lot of people that do tons of chesed, and they're not the most, you know, observant in the right. classical, and I know a lot of people that learn Torah also, men, and they also are not the most observant. Right, so the question is, what makes you get into the cut of the living versus the dead, and I'll tell you the simplest understanding of, that we have. You listen to the Torah, so Torah and, and chesed is yes, but to, when... When you when the Gemara says that you have to learn Torah and Chesed, and that's how you're going to go and survive the end of days, that doesn't just mean that you're learning Torah. That means that you're following the Torah as well. So, ideally, the the simple understanding that I will see it is yes, yeah, you have to keep everything. Um, it's you don't pick and choose. Um, however, I'm not God, and I don't know what God you know decided and what God will do. But the simple understanding of it is yes, very simply. If you go and if you want to make it to the end of the day, then yes, you have to keep the Torah, you have to keep the mitzvot, you have to be modest, you have to keep Shabbat, you have to keep all these things that you have to do according to halacha, and then you'll make it. You want to risk it and say, okay, if it's not even two thirds, it's more twenty percent. It's really twenty. You know, two thirds is the world, but twenty percent of the Jewish nation. Right, the right, the goyim. So that if you look at the Jewish nation, it's a fifth. That fifth is twenty percent. If you want to risk and be like, well, I think I'll make the cut, you know, because I gave you know two million dollars to charity this past year, be like, maybe and maybe not. Are you willing to risk it? You know, is cartoons so important to you on Saturday, or is your phone so important to you? Is 
bejeweled, whatever, what did I just say? Bejeweled. Candy crush. It's candy crush, so important to you on Shabbat. Or, it's a, I know, I need to figure something else, you know. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I know the guys play something called um, Fortnite, thank you. I, I don't know what that is. I'm still not sure if that's like a puzzle game or a building game or, a, uh, you know, destruction game, but, um, a destruction? Oh, very good. It's horror? A war. So it's a, so, yeah, so if somebody goes and decides that instead of keeping Shabbat, he's gonna go and he's gonna play Fortnite, and he's gonna go and, and destroy worlds, then may God be with, I mean, I don't know, like, I wish him only the best, you know, but the simple understanding is, yeah, you have to follow the talk. You wanna be in it. I wouldn't go and take the risk, but, but I did this, you know, like, you wanna do to the best that you can. Successful people don't go based off their minimum. I feel like a lot of people don't know. That is true. A lot of people have a lack of knowledge, and a lot of people don't want to know also at the same point. The knowledge is out there. The question is, do they want to go and listen to it, or do they want to continue their life? So yes, uh, there's, there's a lot of different aspects of it. And again, we're not God, and we don't decide, but uh, the simple understanding is that you have to go and keep the Torah. That's, that's the simple understanding in it. Yes? The way that it was before it's Adas is, um, so the Adam Ha'ushan was only not allowed to eat from the Etz Adas. There was, only afterwards was there an issue with the Etz Ha'im. So it wasn't like it was a, 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 a middle point, but there was no need for the, the Etz Adas was the main thing. That Adam at that point was living internally. He had, um, people, angels working for him. He didn't have to do any, like, he was living in, in a utopian, you know, era. Afterwards is where the destruction came. There wasn't, there wasn't like three periods, like before the sin, it's a sin, and it's a high. There was no like, it was really before the sin and after the sin. That's really how you break it up. There's only two, there's, there's two arrows. So the way that we go here is before that, uh, before that, uh, um, before that sin. Does that make more sense? No, because I learned that he had the choice Yes, by not eating from it, not eating from the Eitzchayim. It's it's specifically saying by not. He had a commandment to eat from all the other trees, but not to eat from one tree. Meaning that all he had to do was not do one thing. He didn't have to eat from the Eitzchayim in order to live forever. He had to just not do one thing, not eat from the Eitzchayim. Does that make more sense now? Okay. No further questions, Your Honor. Okay. So now you've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.